Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. If you will, please stay in Hebrews chapter 8. That will be our text for the evening as we have some Bible study time together. There are patterns that we understand. We talk about the concept of patterns. We know what we're talking about. But in religion, there are, there is a great objection to the pattern mentality. In fact, we're trying to be, as people of God, generally and specifically, uh, what should we be in the Richmond Church of Christ? We're trying to be people who maintain the balanced nature concerning the attitude of patterns. On one side of us, there are those who say that pattern theology is ridiculous. No one should be held to a pattern. God never intended for us to follow a pattern in anything. And therefore, we are free to do so much more. Why would we want to be stuck in a pattern mentality? On the other side, there are those who are so tied to patterns that they see patterns where there aren't any. And they create new patterns and new things by which we should all be bound and shackled and liberty seems to have vanished. I'm not in favor of either one of those positions. I want us to have a balanced approach to the concept of patterns. Let's talk about pattern theology. In the first place, let me suggest, this is not in your outline, but it occurred to me that God is a God of patterns. One of the ways by which we are able to give evidence for the existence of God is through patterns. It's called the teleological argument or the design argument. There are patterns in the creation. In other words, wherever you look, you can see the same hand had to have been at work. That happens all over the place. People who are into art, they can see the stroke of a certain artist in all kinds of different portraits or works that that artist might do. In songs, you can hear the beginnings of some songs and you can know who that singer is because they have a pattern to the voice. And you may not know, but you pretty well figure it out. People, and and we live in a world in which patterns exist. God created the world after a pattern, and we can follow that pattern to understand Him. And I want to suggest to you, religiously, that we are people who must have a pattern theology, a pattern mentality. And that pattern mentality is to be guided by the Word of God, which becomes the pattern. Let's notice what it means. The word in the Greek is tupas. Tupas used... And translated by a variety of different words. And it is in those different words that give to us 
a different view of what a pattern is. And when I had put this lesson together, it, in fact, just a little while ago, hit me that in that first section you have there in your outline, there is something there that I didn't even see before. Let me see if we can bring it out together. In John chapter 20, when Thomas came to Jesus, he wasn't there the first time that Jesus, after his resurrection, came to the apostles. And Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my finger into the print of the nails. Same word, tupas. The print of the nails. In other words, what was left behind? What was the thing that was there that signaled that something else had been there before? And you can tell what it was. A pattern is... A mark that says there's been something left behind. That's an interesting concept. It is used uh, at least three times in the Old and New Testament concerning the word images. Talking about those people who when they created idols, they created these images in order to worship. And of course, God was not pleased. What is an image? An image is a visual representation of something. And therefore, now we see that this word pattern includes the idea of something concrete. Not just in the mind. It is concrete. You can touch it. You can put your hand on it. You can verify it. You can prove it. You can test it. Here it is. It's concrete. It's an image. The word is used to talk about the manner in which a letter was written. That is, in following the method or the approach or the way that this was written, the text says, and after this manner he wrote the letter to Claudius Lysias, book of Acts. That is, there was a form, there was something there that could be followed, a manner. And it could be seen and understood. And you can pass that along. You put it up on a board and say, when you write a letter, do it this way. And Jesus did that when he was talking about how to pray. But after the manner, this approach, this method, the word manner. It's also used... And described or translated as likeness. Likeness. In the book of Genesis, it was word used to talk about Rachel. As opposed to her sister Leah. The Bible basically said Leah was homely. But Rachel had a likeness of beauty. So the word likeness has a visual concept, a visual idea connected to it. On one occasion, God was going to allow Moses to see the form of his person. Not the actual thing, but the form of it. And so the likeness, the idea, the concept, the form, this is how the word is used. And therefore, when we come to Romans chapter 6, Paul was talking about the form of doctrine to which you were delivered. 
the form. You know what a form is? You can make a form and pour something into it, and it will take that shape. You see, God laid down a form, and we can pour something in, and it comes out looking just like that. It, it Form, it seems to me, represents the concept of boundaries. There are some things in the form, some things out of the form. Leah was obviously out of the form. Rachel was in the form. There is some doctrine that is out of the form, some doctrine that is in the form. That's what God wants us to understand. It's also translated a number of times, especially in the New Testament, by the word examples. Like in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he's talking about all the people of the Old Testament and the things that they did. He says, these were for your example that you should not sin after as they did. For instance, 1 Peter 5 and 3, when he talks to elders, Peter says that elders are to be examples to the flock. The word example means visual. It's something that I can follow. It's something that I can focus on. Something that I can say, here it is, and this is what I'm going to do. That's involved in the pattern. In 1 Chronicles 28, when David was told, you're not going to be able to build the temple, let your son Solomon do it. The Bible says that when Solomon became the king, David delivered to him the plans for the temple. In other words, when Solomon built the temple, he was using the drawings that his father David had made. Apparently, God worked all this out with David. Apparently, God and David were having a conversation, and God said, okay, here's how I want my temple to be built. So I'm going to draw you up some plans, and Solomon followed the plan. So that idea means I can pick it up, and I can set it over here, and I can do it too, the plans. Therefore, like in the passage before us, it is also called a pattern. It's a pattern. So all of these words have these different little meanings connected to it to help us understand what God is saying when he said, there are some patterns that I want you to follow. Now look, if you will, at the passage in Hebrews chapter 8. In these six verses, let us learn these things about pattern theology. First of all, the first two verses in verse 5 use some words that tell me there is somebody else in charge. That's what a pattern is. Look in verse 1. Here is the main point. We have a high priest in the throne, the majesty in the heavens. It's the Lord, verse 2. Look at verse 5. See that you make all things this way. A pattern is that which has somebody else in charge. And if you are given this pattern, then somebody else is controlling what you do. Now, granted, you can change it. You can change it any way you want. 
but you would not be following the pattern. You might even turn out something in our perspective, in the physical sense, it's pretty good, like you take a recipe. And you tweak it and change it, and it still tastes good. But it's still not after the pattern. So the idea is that whenever you have a pattern, you have somebody else in charge. Somebody else is ruling the day. Somebody else is in charge. Somebody else has the authority. You see, when I look in the Word of God today and I see the word pattern, I'm seeing the idea that God is in charge and not me. Number two, look at verse three. Priests are appointed to offer, he's talking about the Old Testament, gifts and sacrifices. Then look at this word. It is necessary. The pattern that he was talking about in this text, talking about the Old Testament, the pattern, necessary. It's important. They did not have the right to change it. Somebody else was in charge. You don't have the right to change it. It is necessary to do it this way. Look at verse 5. Here we find that this necessary pattern governed by someone higher is that which originates in heaven itself. The words copy and shadow of the heavenly things. Everything that was done in the Old Testament began in heaven. What they were doing in Old Testament worship, in doing what they did in the temple, in following the things that were there, and I would even suggest to you, based upon what we see throughout is that the design of the temple was based on heaven itself. The most holy place, the throne room of God. The holy place, heaven itself. You see, what they were doing was following what was already in heaven. It's a copy and a shadow of what was up there. It followed that original pattern duplicates what the original set out to say. Now, granted, it's not the original, but it sets out to duplicate the original. That's the point he's making here. The things that were done by the Jews on earth in their worship, these were things that were done not as the original in heaven, but They were important copies. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says that there is a connection between the original and the copy. What it does is it ties this extra next generation to the ones that preceded it. It makes a connection. The Jews handed down their worship generation after generation after generation. 
And the final generation of Jewish people who followed what God intended for them to do had connection to the original one. Why? Through the pattern. Now this is the pattern theology. Now what's going on in this chapter? See, the book of Hebrews is a book written to Jewish Christians. And apparently the problem was that they were slipping back into the Jewish mentality and away from Christianity. And Paul was, or the writer that is, probably not Paul, the writer of Hebrews was telling them, why do you keep going back there? Why do you want to do that? That, that's old. That's been done away. That's set aside. Sure, it followed a pattern that we had in the Old Testament. But now we come to a new idea, a new covenant. He's not saying the old covenant had patterns. The new covenant does not. In fact, he's saying the exact opposite. In the same way that the Jews were given a pattern theology from God... You also have a pattern that you should not stray away from. That's why he was very clear. You need to hang on. You need to keep being where you are. You need to stay faithful. Being unfaithful means you're not following the pattern. Faithfulness means I gave you a pattern and you are following it. So the pattern mentality that occurs in Scripture teaches us some very important things. Number one, God gets to make the decision about what we do or don't do. Not me. Now here's the idea. Whenever we do anything, whenever we start any kind of teaching or preaching, whenever we begin any work, whenever we're involved in anything, the first thing we ought to ask is, what does God want us to know about that issue? And it's our job then to go into Scripture to open it up and say, all right, what is the pattern? As far as I can see it, what is the pattern? How do I know what God wants me to do? And if I'm willing to be faithful to Scripture, then I don't have any choice. I don't get a choice. And where God has made a statement, I don't get to change it. That's the pattern. That's what He wants. That's good enough. Now, I can find those. I can find many of those. You can too. Not the least of which is the idea that has been extant since the church was established in Acts chapter 2. When the pattern was laid down right there, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't have the right to create a different pattern. That's it. And I don't have the right to let anybody else feel comfortable teaching or believing anything else. That's the pattern. That's what Peter laid down. I know it's a pattern because that's what those people did. And I know it's a pattern because they kept teaching it. 
Number two, when we are figuring out what we're supposed to do, we need to recognize that what we are doing began in heaven. This is not my idea. This is not our idea. This is God's idea. Ephesians chapter 3 says it was in the eternal mind of God for the church to come into existence. Therefore, we represent what was in heaven in the mind of God from before time began. We have, therefore, an awesome responsibility. And the awesome responsibility that we have is to represent the God of the Bible on this earth. Now, I'm telling you what, that's tough. It's difficult for us to do that because we have a job that's very important. So what we do is serious. This is God being presented to the world. And he's a God of patterns. And so we honor the patterns that he puts forth for us in Scripture. Number three. These things originated in heaven and they're still in heaven. That is... In heaven is the perfection of what we're doing down here. In heaven, they're still worshiping God. In heaven, they're still honoring God. In heaven, God is in charge. He is the one being honored. He is the one who is the all-encompassing being. And that's our job. We're not doing anything different here than they are doing there. We are following that pattern that's already been set up in heaven. I can't change it. God's in charge of it because he wrote it right here in Scripture. And that's how it's going to be. But then number four, culture does not change it. See, this is where we need, this is the point we're getting to. And this is the point from which we will do some other considerations in weeks to come. Culture cannot change the patterns of God. What God set in motion, the patterns that God has for us, what he has handed down, I can replicate in any country of the world at any time in history, and it would be exactly what it used to be. And then people laugh at us. And here's what they say. So which church do you want to copy? You want to copy Corinth? Look at all the problems they had. You want to co- uh, copy Thessalonica? They thought that the second coming should have already happened and that they had missed it. You want to copy them? You want to copy the Galatians? Apparently, they were going right back into Judaism and the thoughts of the Jewish law. You want to copy them? Is that what you want to do? In a derisive way. But I say, no, don't want to copy that. 
I want to copy the things they should have been copying. Not one of those things should they have copied. That's the human error in it. But what I do want to copy, I want to be today what they were then. I want to be in the 21st century what the church was in the 1st century. It was the church that Jesus died for. And it was the church that followed and honored the patterns that God set forth. So what I can do is I can go back to Scripture and see what they did, and I can do that. And by doing that, I have replicated, copied what they were doing for our time. And it's not news to anyone here. The forms and the concepts in worship that we are using now, they used in the first century. There would have been a lot of differences. They didn't have pews like this. They didn't have buildings like this. They didn't have time constraints that we're under. They didn't have a whole lot of things, but it was all in pattern the same way. And I don't want to make any, and neither should us, we don't want to make any apologies for following the pattern of the first century church. Let us be in pattern theology what they were. Neither more restrictive than were they, nor less restrictive than were they. Let us follow the pattern, form of sound doctrine that God has delivered to us. In weeks to come, we might have some opportunity to figure out, well, how do you figure that out. How do we look into Scripture and determine what the pattern is? I think that would be a good study for another time. And we will engage that. What I'm trying to do on Sunday nights is be a little less preachy and more study intensive. So if you have some areas of study that you want us to devote 20 or 25 minutes to, let me know. And I'll work these in on a Sunday night. The pattern of extending the Lord's invitation is faithful to the original pattern. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. See, that's the pattern. Jesus invited people to him. And so the pattern that we should follow is to say, invite people to Jesus. That's what we ought to do. Now, we don't have a pattern for how to do it. We choose this particular way. Nothing wrong with it. We can change it if we want. But the idea is to invite people to Jesus. And just like Jesus held out that invitation to anyone at any time who was in need, 
We also hold that out. If you are in need of help from Jesus or from these people to pray with you, tonight is an opportunity to have that as you'll come as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.